Hi, I'm Susan Foch, and when I was 18 years old, I launched a national nonprofit organization out of my freshman college dorm room. Now, with almost a decade of experience under my belt, I'm here to teach you my tried and true tips and tricks for running your own nonprofit or social enterprise and how to build it from the ground up. You're listening to this podcast because you're ready to make a difference in this world. I see you, I hear you, and I'm ready to help you. Now let's make an impact together. You're listening to the Make an Impact Podcast, episode 41. When it comes to pitching your nonprofit, your business, or whatever the mission is that is taking up space in your heart, sometimes do you ever feel like you have so much to say about it and like it just kind of starts bubbling over because and you just kind of can't stop. It's like a little bit word vomit because you're like, let me tell you everything about my passions and it's really great. And other times you feel like you talk about it 24-7. So it should just be this universal knowledge that everyone knows because you feel like you've talked about it for so long. Well, depending on which one your flavor is, it doesn't matter. The art of storytelling, particularly when it comes to nonprofits in our businesses, can be really tricky. It definitely is like 20% art form and almost an 80% science. Uh, maybe I'm being a little a little generous with those numbers, but you get the idea. It's just as much, if not more, a science than it is an art form to really formulate and share our stories in a way that inspires and motivates and just really brings someone else alive, but also brings them into our mission, brings them into why they should donate, why they should buy your product, why they should invest in your service, why you in some way, shape or form would make their life better. It's a really difficult and tricky thing to do. But luckily today we have Carlos Maestas, who is the author of the book Mommy Lied to God. He's also the founder of Key Ideas, which is a really interesting marketing and video production company based in San Antonio, Texas. It's a really interesting conversation, and he shares a lot of insights on how you can perfectly and adequately craft your story so that anyone listening can get inspired, see your vision, and come to your side. So without further ado, Carlos, thank you so much for being here. Can you please give us a little background on you and how you became the person that you are today? My name is Carlos Maestas, and I am uh, the founder and CEO of Key Ideas, a storytelling firm uh, that helps mission-driven nonprofits um, tell their story and simplify their message. And I'm the author of Mommy Lied to God, Life Lessons in Authentic Storytelling. So first, let's talk about Key Ideas. So what does it do? Why did you feel compelled to kind of start this company? Um, and yeah, what is, what is the work that you folks do, especially for nonprofits? Yeah, so um, at, at, the, at the core of what we do, we are a storytelling company and, and we work with um, mainly mission-driven organizations just to help take their authentic stories and use them to build awareness for what they're doing, obviously, you know, raise money. Um, and, um, and there's so many powerful stories uh, out there to tell. And when you're running a mission-driven uh, nonprofit, you, you know, if you're doing important work, there's no shortage of them. Um, but uh, a lot of times um, nonprofits I've found um, are not the best at telling their own story. Um, and, it, and there's a myriad of reasons uh, for it. 
Um, but what we try to do is kind of from an outside perspective and a, a perspective that's closer to their uh, funding audience, um, to uh, their audience of volunteers, um, kind of take what's unique about their organization. Um, and primarily the content that we are producing is through video. Um, we, we do design, but um, the majority of what we do is, is uh, video production, um, but we kind of work as like a hybrid of an ad agency and video production company because we're also helping them write scripts, we're helping them identify their target audience, um, and just use the power of their story to help them maximize the impact that they can have in, in the communities that they serve. And you, you just can't afford to be the best kept secret. You know, um, people need to know the value you're providing um, and, you, and, it, and your story never stops. Um, what inspired me to start Key Ideas, um, I've actually evolved it in, in January of 2021. It'll be 19 years that I've, I've had the company. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm getting older. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I, it's, it's evolved. I, it actually started as, as primarily just a, a marketing company. We were actually selling advertising on hotel key cards. <laughs> um, and that's, it was quite literally key ideas. Um, and I, I think we had a really cheesy uh, slogan, which was like creative marketing that opens doors. <laughs> I was 22 when I started it. So honestly, that's kind of brilliant. I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were catering to limited service properties that didn't have restaurants, didn't have room service. And so you'd get handed as soon as you check in an ad from, you know, Domino's or from Papa John's. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that really became over time more of a printing company than an, an advertising and marketing company. And I was always really, you know, fascinated with just storytelling in general. Um, and so what really led to the mission-driven work that I'm doing uh, right now. So what really led to the work that I'm doing right now is uh, a few mission trips that I had an opportunity to take to Liberia, Africa, uh, with a church that, that, um, that I was going to. And um, I got a chance to meet uh, Liberians who had um, overcome um, the devastation of two civil wars, uh, left over 200,000 people dead, and, and the infrastructure that was just totally ravaged. Um, but you could you could see the hope in their in their story and um, and you know just this desire to you know even young people to just want to share their story in in an effort to rebuild their country um, and I was so inspired by the Liberians I've met I had a chance I've had a chance to go now um, I believe it's six times and. Um, and, um, and, and, and really bring some of those stories back to folks here that can do something to help. Uh, and I, I started to realize there's so many organizations around the country that need the same kind of storytelling. And you know, traditionally, a lot of nonprofits, because of you know, a, a lack of funding and for a myriad of reasons, have not always invested in their own story the way that they, they should. And so you know, it, oftentimes those stories just are not you know, as inspiring, not because the story is not inspiring, but it's because there's an approach to, to storytelling that, um, you know, is really important. And uh, if you're going to reach people and compete with so much other content that's out there. Very true. I want to kind of go back to something you said earlier, which is that you found that a lot of nonprofits 
or nonprofit people aren't good at telling their own stories. Why is that? Is it more like, have you found it's more particular organizations or it really is like certain people within the organization, if that makes any sense? Um, I, 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 it makes total sense. Yeah. I think there's, there's, there's different reasons. You know, one is there's this thing, uh, called the curse of knowledge. And that's when you're the expert in, in an industry and you're doing the work day in and day out. Um, when, when you're communicating it to your audience, you forget that they don't know what you know. And so you over communicate sometimes. So sometimes it's not about what you say. It's, it's about what you leave out. Um, and it's about how are you going to simplify the message so that someone who doesn't have your experience and your expertise is going to be inspired by the work that you do. Um, and when you are closely connected to, to the work, it's hard to, uh, to think outside of your own experience um, and remember that, you know, the best advertisers and marketers out there, they're, they're really speaking to their audience and they're trying to you know, learn as much as they can about what their audience cares about. And then they shape their message to connect with those values, to connect with what they think is going to um, really motivate them to take action. And, um, and as nonprofit leaders, um, you're, you're not all, you're not necessarily a marketer, right? You're not an advertiser. You're, you're, you know, you're connected to a mission, you're a fundraiser and, and you understand the importance of, of, you know, sharing your story, but, um, but it can be hard. Uh, and, and funding is, is, you know, is definitely an issue. Um, there, you know, if your board doesn't approve a significant budget to, to share your own story, then, you know, oftentimes your hands are tied because then your, your executive director or your development director, you know, your, your social media manager, your, um, you're, you're also, um, you know, maybe trying to record a video on your, on your iPhone or whatever it is. And you, you're not trained in that area. Um, and, you know, I also just think, um, our, our, your, the audience, uh, evolves over time. Um, your donor base, you know, starts to, to age, uh, uh, and, and, and maybe you're losing some donors for, for myriad of different reasons. And you have to learn how to connect to the next generation of funders. It's going to continue the work. And that generation's not necessarily, um, they don't, they don't necessarily have the same values um, as the generation before. And so I think there's, there's different reasons, but I think um, it, it's not uh, through a lack of desire or, you know, an understanding of the importance of sharing your story. Um, but sometimes it just helps to have, an outside perspective to, to just ask questions um, and, and challenge you to think about the organization in a way that maybe hadn't before. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel very personally attacked by that, <laughs> but almost in the opposite way when you said the curse of knowledge, because I think what I personally run into with Operation Alone is that, um, you know, I know everything that's happening on the back end. And so to me, almost it's like, oh, well, of course people know that. <laughs> when they don't. And it's, it's almost like not communicating for that reason, or, um, you know, I'll post something or say it once. And for some reason, I just like assume <laughs> that it's stuck, um, you know, and not really remembering always like the rule of seven in marketing, right. That people need to hear something seven times. And so, um, and then sometimes I get worried about like, 
you know, oh, am I saying this too much? Is it getting annoying? What would you say to someone who that's their concern? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, that um, it's always important to uh, ask those questions. Um, you know, I, I would say that if you're going to communicate, you know, seven times, maybe five of those times are, are you know, uh, celebrating someone else's story or, you know, saying thank you. And then, you know, the other two are, are an ask, right? I think if you're asking every time, you know, that you're communicating that there can be, you know, there's donor fatigue and, you know, but I think that, that I, I would err on the side of, of over communicating, of continuing to put your story out there. Um, because, you know, it, it, and the platform matters too, because if it's social media, you may think like, oh my gosh, I've beat this to death, but you're only going to get a percentage of your audience unless you're, unless you're paying uh, to get more. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think, I think there's ways of, of keeping every, um, every opportunity that you have to share the story, you know, to be, to think through it and keep it fresh and, um, and it, and, and also know what your, what your role is, uh, in the work and, and look for opportunities to share your own personal story. You know, I, I know that you are deeply connected uh, to the work that you do through your own experience and your, your father as a veteran mm -hmm. uh, and in his service. And so um, that's ideal when you're leading an organization and you can speak from your own experience um, because it starts, it starts to um, uh, educate your audience on, what, why it drives you? Why, why is this so important to you? And it also brings a different level of credibility to the work that you do because you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, another question I kind of have because storytelling, I think, uh, you know, can sound really intimidating and also vague to a lot of people, um, especially in the nonprofit realm. And I think a problem is that as nonprofit people, when we're put with, you know, with potential donors or we're at a fundraiser, also because a lot of people get, um, you know, weary with public speaking, they rehearse one story and they do it pretty well, but that's like, that's all that they have to say. And so at, over time, it can sound a little robotic, right? It sounds very rehearsed. What would you say would be kind of that key to making sure that, you know, you're nailing that storytelling with that emotion, but it's not it's not obvious to the person who's heard it the first time that this is your thousandth time saying it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, one thing I would say is to create a story bank um, and and uh, and have um, uh, several stories that you can go to um, and and think through um, what those stories um, what what's different about those stories and how they may connect with that particular audience that you're going to be presenting to. And I think that that's important because, you know, although that one sort of go-to story might be, you know, really inspiring to, to, to one particular audience, you know, it may not necessarily connect as much with the, with the next. Um, and, but if, if it's a, the one caveat I would say is, you know, unless it's your personal story, um, you know, my work and why I do what I do and why I wrote this book's very ingrained with my personal journey. And, um, and it comes from a, you know, a really painful experience that I, that I had. Um, uh, but it is my, it is what's unique about me. And every time I share it and I, I've given storytelling workshops and I, you know, I've done stand-up comedy and I, and I, I, I try not to miss 
an opportunity to share my personal story and connect it with the work that I do because you never know who's in the audience that's going to just need to hear what you had to say mm -hmm. and who may have ex maybe experiencing what you experienced right you know right now right then when they hear it they might be going through that and so um, I would say if it's you if it's your experience you you know don't don't apologize about it you know um you you have to get rehearsed of of going up and trying to just bring bring the energy um but also you know carefully craft your message you know and so what i what i would say is think of your storytelling as the trailer for your organization you know and and your the trailer gets you excited to go see the film it doesn't give away the plot it doesn't it doesn't tell you who dies it doesn't tell you who wins in the end right it's just like oh wow this is a great you know film i want to go see mm -hmm. and that's what you need to think about your storytelling that's how you need to think about your storytelling for your organization is get people excited to go to your website or to have a conversation and and ask questions that are important to them um that's 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 what storytelling is really about yeah i love it Running a business, working your nonprofit, or just simply making an impact takes a lot of energy, which means you need the drink of champions, coffee. Specifically, you need Door County Coffee, a gourmet coffee roastery on a mission to bring you the best coffee on the planet. And that isn't hard when they only roast the top 2% of Arabica beans grown in the entire world. Try any of their medium or dark roasts, like my personal favorite, the Heroes Blend. Or you can try one of their almost 100 delicious flavors like Highlander Grog, Frosted Cinnamon Buns, or Vanilla Creme Brulee. They ship all across the country, so try your first pot today by going to doorcountycoffee.com and using the code IMPACT for 15% off your order. That's I-M-P-A-C-T for 15% off at doorcountycoffee.com and get caffeinated today. So let's pick up on one of the things you just said, which was uh, your book, um, Mommy Lied to God, which is kind of um, an interesting title. And also I have not had the chance to read it yet. So tell us about it. Tell us, um, you know, a little bit of that story, but also why you wanted to write this book and put this out into the world. Yeah. Um, well, so uh, Mommy Lied to God is, is really uh, about uh, learning uh, the characteristics of authentic storytelling. Um, and, and it has a really good balance of just having some really practical tools that you can apply to, to your own story through, through telling stories. Um, I couldn't write a, a book about storytelling and not, and not tell stories. Um, and so it's a, it's a good combination of, you know, uh, of stories from experience of the over a thousand, uh, uh, over a thousand people that I've interviewed in, in my career and, and their unique story and how it connects to the work of organizations and, and um, you know, what I've learned through that experience, uh, but also my own personal journey. And so the title come, really comes from my personal journey. Um, and uh, I know it's a, it's kind of a, a, a title that makes you stop and, and think, <laughs> uh, what's, what's this about? But that's kind of the idea. Um, and it's also really connected with, with, um, you know, my, my former life as a stand-up comedian. And, um, so it'll, it'll make sense. The title it's in chapter three. And I really talk about how I, how I came to that, that title and, and, and it's kind of ingrained in the story of, of what I do. Um, but yeah, I want, the reason that I wanted to write the book is because, you know, I, I feel like, 
uh, in order for organizations out there that are doing important work to really um, build the kind of support that they need in hard times, you know, uh, you know, crazy times like the, the, the times that we're living in right now, but really, you know, even before this, um, you, you, you can't get behind, uh, you can't get people behind what you're doing without sharing the story of those who you, you serve, you know, sharing the story of the impact that you're making. And so I, I feel, um, you know, at, at Key Ideas, our, you know, we believe storytelling moves people and our, our mission is to, you know, really create, um, share stories that educate and inspire action. And, um, and, and the beautiful thing about storytelling is we all have one, you know, and that our story uh, is what makes us uh, unique, but it's also what connects us uh, with one another. Um, and, uh, and I think there's something beautiful in that. And um, you, the hard stories, even the, even the hard stories can be used for good. Which, which sort of changes the dynamic, right? And, and, you know, if you've been through something really hard and you've survived it and you've learned from it and you've grown from it, then it sort of takes the power, you know, it takes some of that pain away uh, and, and, um, and, it, and, it, and it uses that energy and it uses that experience. Uh, it has the opportunity, I should say, to use that experience for something good, something that's going to serve, you know, someone else. And I just love that about, I guess the human experience and I, I love talking to people and I love, you know, sharing stories. So uh, it, 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 it's something that was just important to me to get out there. And um, <clears throat> luckily it's, it's been well received. It's um, mm -hmm. become an Amazon bestseller and, and um, you know, have a lot of really great reviews and, and people seem to um, gotten a lot out of it. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's awesome. One thing that you said that obviously really resonated with me was how, you know, even the really hard stories can be exactly what someone needs to hear in that moment. And we don't know what other people need to be hearing from us, right? We don't know what's going to, it's kind of like spaghetti, like you don't know what's going to stick until you throw it at the wall, right? Um, so let's, if you were working one-on-one -on -one with someone just like from square one and they were like, well, I don't have a unique story. I don't have anything like special about me to be be turned into this story like what would you say to that person i would say that the the first um important uh thing to consider uh when it comes to uh becoming a a great storyteller is acknowledging that you have one um and uh i think you know folks sometimes need to think uh beyond um you know even their own experience. And some, sometimes the things that are, are, are inspiring about our story, you know, started before we were even born, you know, um, who our parents were and what, what they did and, and the time and history that they lived in and how their experience shaped our own. And so it doesn't have to be this traumatic thing that happens. Although I do think, um, you know, those, those traumatic, uh, you know, everybody has hard things that, that happen to them. Um, but, you know, some organizations, they may not be, uh, you know, they may be serving puppies <laughs> or kittens or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, of uh, different, uh, it, it could be, you know, the feral cats, uh, uh foundation. <laughs> um, and, and I guess you could make the case, you know, feral cats, you know, need some love too, but it's hard, maybe it's harder to, to make a connection 
of the, your personal experience with the nonprofit that you're fundraising uh, with. But I think that, you know, all of us have things that make us who we are and that, that motivate us to do the work that we do. And, um, and, I, and I understand not everybody likes talking about themselves. It may seem boastful. It may seem, you know, um, uh, like it's not coming from a, an authentic place. But the reality is if you're in a position of doing good work, there's a reason you're there. And, um, and there's, there's something that motivates you. Um, and sometimes it just takes some introspection or even asking others, you know, uh, to, uh, to, 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 to talk to you about, you know, what is, what is it about my own story um, that, that maybe makes you want to follow me <laughs> and do this work, you know? And I think that that's a missed opportunity with a lot of leaders is be, because they, they're not allowing themselves to be vulnerable. They sometimes miss an opportunity to really motivate a team uh, behind them. Um, and because when, when we hide aspects of our story um, that are, um, that are connected to the work, then, you know, we, you, you sort of miss an, you, um, there's a missed opportunity to, to let other people learn from, from your, your experience. And so, um, I think that, that, um, yeah, it's important to, to just acknowledge that you have a story, acknowledge that, you know, sometimes just, just being transparent with somebody about something you're struggling with might lead to a greater connection. Mm -hmm. For sure. Do you have any experiences or a story of working with a particular nonprofit that just like really knocked you off of your socks or, you know, you started working with them and like a certain story unleashed that you just, you never saw coming and turned into a really fantastic campaign for them? Kali, you know, we've been a part of so, so many um, uh, incredible pieces of, of, of work and, and so many really unique um, uh, campaigns. Um, I'm trying to think of, of which one to share. I mean, there's, there's a lot in the book. Um, I think one uh, story that comes to mind that I share um, is uh, connected to an organization in town called Chrysalis Ministries, and they do, um, uh, uh, they help uh, folks that have been incarcerated um, get back into society and, and, you know, take classes like anger management and financial classes and parenting classes. Um, and really the work that they do is, is really um, uh, uh, lowering the recidivism rate um, in, in uh, San Antonio and Bear County um, where, where they they serve. And there's one particular man that went through this program and he had a experience um, spent most of his career, uh, most of his career, <laughs> most of his uh, childhood kind of in and out of jail. He, he got in with the wrong crowd. He, he started, uh, he joined a gang really kind of in it, it because it was uh, self-preservation. He was getting bullied. And, and so he got in with this crowd, but then he started doing things like selling drugs and he, he got um, hooked on drugs and that led to arrests and, and, um, and, and was arrested enough to where he was facing really big uh, prison sentence. And he um, decided that he was going to give his life over to, to God and, um, and, and try to just go through and, and, and uh, recover. Um, and uh, he was up for um, like 30 years in prison. And when they went 
that he got ended up getting a plea deal was like 12 years. And, and so he was just like, okay, this is it. I'm going to, I'm going to change my life. And so um, what, what he did after he got out of prison is he started working for a, a nonprofit in Austin, Texas, that is uh, advocating for criminal justice reform um, with, within youth, um, youth criminal justice reform. And he had never, you know, gone into the state capitol before, but now he was going in as a lobbyist um, mm-hmm. to try to make changes um, through his own experience and sharing his own story. Um, and, you know, you think if you've, you've spent time in, in prison and jail and you have this history of addiction, that would be something you would want to hide and, and that it would be a hard thing to share. But what he's doing is using that experience uh, to build credibility and, and talk to, to senators and, and share his own unique story to try to, 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 to make a positive change um, within uh, the youth criminal justice system. And so I always feel like stories like that that are, are hard stories and there's somebody who is uh, allowing himself to be transparent enough to talk about those hard things in an effort to do some good are always the most inspiring to me. Um, and, you know, I've interviewed people who have, who have lost um, children and who have been, you know, abused in the, in the worst ways. Um, but they are, they are taking the power in, uh, taking the power and the energy in that, in that experience that they've had, and they're, they're focusing it on something that's positive. And I just think that that's beautiful. I think all of us have an opportunity to do that um, in, in life, no matter what we've been through. Um, there's no wasted experience. Mm-hmm. I love that. I I do think that's a very powerful story, but also just the idea of taking shame out of something that as a society we've placed a lot of shame in is so powerful because, yeah, that's the only way that that kind of change is going to happen. So um, I love that story and I love that you were able to kind of work with him on that. That's so special. Um so one kind of a last question I have for you as we start to wrap up is how can nonprofits really harness that power of a great story with their donors, particularly for people who are maybe like really hesitant in donating or not just necessarily to like their nonprofit, but to just charities in general, because that's still a large part of the population who like don't trust charities, who don't trust nonprofits. Um, how can a really great story start to kind of turn around that narrative for that population of people? Well, one of the principles that's in the book um, is, is really seeking first to understand before being understood. And if there's a, if there's a, a lack of trust, um, uh, that a funder has or a potential funder in a sector, there's likely a reason why. Um, and uh, I think that because you, when you're running a nonprofit, you're very busy. There's so many things that you're doing. Um, but I would challenge any nonprofit leader, um, whether, whether it's a board or an, ex, uh, an, an ED, a CEO, um, to really take the time to seek first to understand before being understood. Um, and that, that, comes down to maybe um, misconceptions that a donor base may have about you and the work that you do, but it also comes down to sort of like your, your own story. And you know, I still feel like the people that you serve often can tell your story better than you can, but it's important to, to ask the questions and, and try to figure out, you know, what, what is it about, about the work that we do that, that makes us different from 
someone else's perspective, not your own perspective. Um, and one, one little quick story I can share with you is there's, there was a, um, uh, a politician uh, in, in Texas that was running for the House of Representatives. Um, and he uh, had serv served a very diverse district um, and what he decided to do is, you know, he knew he wanted to make an impact in education. Um, and what he decided to do was go visit every single school that was in his district, which was about 55 schools. He, he met with 55 principals and their staff. And he didn't do it with, you know, fanfare. He didn't take camera crews. He wasn't there to shake hands and kiss babies. He just wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, and what he, what, what he did is he wanted to ask questions about like, what are the, the biggest challenges that you have? What are the oppor biggest opportunities that you see? And, you know, he was, he grew up in a really poor, uh, uh, an impoverished neighborhood and was a product of, of um, uh, some of the, the schools in San Antonio that have historically been, um, you know, have served very low income areas. Um, but he went on to, to become uh, an attorney, and he, he graduated from some of the best schools in Michigan State. Um, and he he came back and he wanted to ha have an impact on education because he understood what what impact it had on his own life. Um, and what he learned is that the biggest challenge um, that the, that was consistently coming up across those schools was food insecurity. <clears throat> so it had it had very little to do with what was happening in the classroom. It had everything to do with what was happening at home. And so how are, how are you going to educate kids when they're coming to school and they're just malnourished? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, you, you know, there's a lack of focus that, that happens. Um, energy is low. And, and it, what he found is consistently across the board, there was more affluent schools that, that were in his district and there were schools that were, that were, were um, you know, in, in, in areas that were not affluent. And they were having the same uh, issues. Uh, and to add insult to injury, what was happening is they couldn't even give excess food uh, that was not eaten uh, in the lunch line that was not opened. Not like they were trying to give people food that was that was, but things like you know milk and and you know uh, oranges, things that hadn't been touched, they couldn't even give that food uh, to the kids that that were were hungry because of. Um, policies that were district policies and statewide policies they were having to throw away food in the same schools where they had kids that were hungry and so what resulted in it was uh, the fairness and feeding act and um uh it got bipartisan support um and they are what they're doing is they set up these little food pantries in schools and if there's something that you didn't eat that that was that was um non-perishable you can put it on the share table and anybody can go and pick up food and take it home with them, no questions asked. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and it, it resulted in, in a, a law that, that just passed um, and to help serve uh, one of the most food insecure um, states in the country. Mm -hmm. And it all came through not just leaning on his own understanding, it came from him taking the time to just ask questions. And I don't think we do enough of that as a society. We, 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 we go to the table assuming that we know everything and we lean on our own understanding. And so that would be my biggest maybe piece of advice um, is, to, is to do that. And of course, there's a lot of other things we didn't have time to talk about um, in the book, but you know, I, I, um, 
I, th I think that there's so much great work happening out there, um, but there's still so many great things that we can still do. Yeah. Well, I think we also just really saw that lesson with the election, people who just relied on their own understanding and one plane of knowledge that, um, you know, which often comes from one particular news source or just like one other person's opinion that we're listening to instead of collecting a well-rounded you know, understanding and like an arsenal of information, which I love that example with like the lunches, because what a terrible problem that is happening across the country with food insecurity. Um, you know, one of my internships in college was with um, the Oshkosh Area Food Pantry, to which I think it was almost 60% of those school children um, needed food pantry services to get through their week. And it was like, there has to just be a better solution <laughs> than what's happening just right here. So I love the, kind of that creative idea that came from um, just asking more questions and understanding. Um, and also from a donation perspective, not just from a policy perspective, but uh, which is so useful, but you know, just that idea of, you know, figure out where those donors are being insecure. Why are they not as trusting <laughs> and kind of dive there instead of just kind of throwing like pitch after pitch at them. So I really love that advice. Um, Carlos, do you have any last like bit of wisdom for us? Any last um, kind of takeaways that you want to share before we wrap up? Yeah, I, you know, really just if there's one key idea, <laughs> one big idea I have, it would be that there's glory in your story and not be afraid to, um, to really learn um, some, some practical uh, tools uh, that will help you use your own story for good or, 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 the, you know, or, or know how to better tell stories um, of the, the people that you serve. Um, and I, and I, I just encourage everybody to be active, to know that it's something that should never stop. You don't ever just say, okay, we okay, we, 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 we made an effort and we're good. You know, remember that um, if the impact doesn't stop, the storytelling shouldn't stop because you're always going to have an opportunity to bring somebody new into what it is that you do. Um, and, and to not forget about even the folks that have been, have been funding your organization for years and years, um, that uh, they still need um, to, to continue to be fed uh, and and with with stories to celebrate the wins together, right? So I think storytelling is just as much for a new audience that knows nothing about you, so just as much for them as it is for the folks that have been uh, supporting you for years. And we all know what it's like to have to make up, um, uh, uh, fill the gap when you lose a major funder. And so just remember that you know they need that communication, they need those touch points, and. Um, they need to understand that, that, you know, really they have an opportunity through your organization um, to, to make a, a tremendous impact. Yeah, I love that. Well, Carlos, thank you so much for taking the time um, to be with us today and to share some of that knowledge and expertise. Where can people find you, connect with you, learn more from you and more storytelling tips from you? Yeah. So we're on social media. Um, uh, company is Key Ideas. You can look us up at keyideas.net. Um, on Instagram, it's at keyideasinc. On Facebook, it's keyideas.net. Um, I'm Carlos Maestas. That's M-A-E-S-T-A-S. Um, there's not many of us out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then the book is on Amazon uh, right now. It's really on, on um, in anywhere you can find books. Um, uh, but Amazon uh, is is under Mommy Lied to God, and then it's on um, also on um, BarnesandNoble.com. 
Um, and um, there's there's also an ebook, and I'm working on an audiobook. Um, but yeah, I would love to to learn about what you do. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, and um, as we sort of start to think about the end of the year and um, you know wrapping up those donor appeals, um, it really helps to know how to simplify your message in a way that you know will 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 hopefully you know help you uh, start off the year uh, on a good note. Yeah. Love it. Well, everyone go connect with Carlos, learn a little bit more about the power of turning your own story into something magnificent for someone else. Um, and thank you again for joining us today, Carlos. This was, uh, this was very insightful. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Make an Impact podcast. If you enjoyed yourself, would you do a little rate, review, subscribe, dance? And if you really enjoyed yourself, would you share this on social media so someone else could catch the impact bug? Until next time, friend, I can't wait to see what kind of impact you make on your world.